Welcome to the world of Rex. This is Marvel Rex. We are doing the 2023 year ahead special. This is it. You're here. Strap in. It's going to be a wild ride. Oh, especially 2023. We're going to get into the meat of it here now. And before we do, I just want to train your eyeballs to look down to the link in the show notes where you can book a reading for the new year. Wonderful, wonderful time to get a reading all the way until March when things really kick up and get a reading with me so I can tell you how March is going to like be a banger and where you're going to be activated and how to best prepare yourself in January, February, leading up to this moment. We're going to get all into the juiciness of this on a more general level, but a reading gives you a really concise way to know what's going on. Okay. So this can be different than a weekly vibes. Obviously, we're doing a year ahead. I had one at the beginning of this uh, podcast for the eclipse cycle in Taurus and Scorpio. This is going to be a very different episode because, wow, planets move. They change. (laughs) That is why, as above, so below, our lives are constantly changing day by day. And there are some major changes in 2023. So we're going to dive in right now. It's going to be wonderful. Okay. So what I like to do at the top of these readings, because I take these readings really seriously, I'm like, this is a big moment. This is an entire year that I'm trying to set the tone for or understand the tone of, get the pulse of. What is the pulse of this year ahead? I do want to start out by saying that the Gregorian calendar, right? So this is, you know, January 1st, 2023. It's the new year. The Gregorian calendar is often misleading energetically. From an astrological perspective, even from like other, you know, Vedic perspective, lots of perspectives that are like, yo, you're not really tracking the planets on this arbitrary day that's January 1st in the smack dab middle of Capricorn season. Like, mm -mm, no, not the new year. So I just want to say that as I'm reading, I'm going to be clear here that like the year really starts. And I, I believe this every year, but especially with the eclipses starting to happen in Aries, this year does not start truly and energetically in a new dynamic way until March 20th, which is the spring equinox. You know, it's between the 20th and 22nd. It happens every year. Anyway, it's the beginning of Aries season, right? So the beginning of Aries season, which is usually in late March, that is for so many reasons that I will get into in this episode, that is the true beginning of 2023. So we're going to just keep that in your mind, the back of your mind. It'll make more sense later as to why. But this is this is how I'm reading. But I did pull, I pulled a I Ching. I always do this. I always pull an I Ching hexagram. So if you don't know about the I Ching, it's the Chinese Book of Changes. It is a wise sage of a teacher. Wonderful book. Highly recommend. For folks that are looking for a daily or weekly practice, in terms of like a dynamic meditation practice. The I Ching is actually an interactive book whereby you can actually pull or throw a hexagram, which is you throw six lines. And from those six lines, usually using pennies or sticks, you understand, okay, this is one of 64 hexagrams. You go into the book and read the hexagram that you pulled and it gives you wisdom for the moment that I think is always touched by God. Yes, indeed. Because we live in a matrix. The matrix always delivers the information you need to know in any given moment. So I pulled a hexagram for the year ahead. It was the 54th hexagram, 54th hexagram of the I Ching, the Marrying Maiden. This is super interesting to me. Ooh, I was like, ooh, 54. 
Okay. Wow. Uh, I've worked with the hexagram a lot. It's been I've I've worked with the I Ching at this point since I was twenty. So yeah, a decade. Mm, love that. A decade. I've done a decade with the I Ching, and I have a very early relationship to the fifty fourth hexagram. It was actually the first hexagram that I was ever introduced to. This is kind of funny because in twenty twenty three, we have Jupiter in Aries asking us to do things for the first time ever. So every single one of us is going to be asked, especially between March and May of this year, 2023, to do something that we have never had the guts to do before or that we have never done before. So it felt very fitting that the, ex the hexagram I pulled was the very first, Aries being first always, the first hexagram I'd ever, ever come to know. There is also something really interesting about the message of the 54th hexagram. So the marrying maiden is what it's called typically. It is also known as like the concubine, the concubine's desire. Now this is such, it's such a complicated, we have to think this is Confucian era China. So this is back during Conf Confucius, long time ago. This is some, wis some deep wisdom, ancient wisdom. And it had a lot to, I mean, concubines were there back in the day. Okay, there's a lot of opium den smoking and some concubines hanging about. The 54th hexagram talks about the desire and power dynamic of the second wife or the concubine even, not the primary wife. Okay, and again, I know it sounds very traditional, but this is this, is this ancient bit of wisdom that's very contextual to its uh, origination. So the, the phrase that... Um, Carol Anthony, who I love her book. She has a book called A Guide to the I Ching. I love her perspective on the hexagrams. I've read a lot of different pers perspectives, but Carol Anthony does a great job. Her phrase for the 54th hexagram is wanting empowers evil. Wow, mic drop. That's really intense. Wanting empowers evil. The sort of breakdown of this hexagram in a very just like loose way is the desire of the concubine to be the first wife. And the desires that we have in our life to be first, right? This is all just, it felt so fitting for the Aries transits. The North Node is about to enter Aries, which is going to create eclipses in Aries starting April 20th. And then Jupiter is speeding through Aries at, I mean, just, he just is making a fast clip through Aries, which is going to bring, when a planet moves super fast through a, a sign, it just magnifies it tenfold. So this is just a huge emphasis on Aries placements and, and the Aries themes of our life, which is wanting to be first. So the 54th hexagram says, whoa, watch out. Wanting to be first can empower evil. And so the dynamic of the 54th hexagram is the concubine or the second wife who wants to be the first wife and she's pissed that she's not. And so there's a, there, when anytime you pull this hexagram, basically there is a problem that's inherent. And the problem that's inherent is that you have a desire and there is a very understandable roadblock. In the case of this hexagram, very, very quite literally, the concubine is not the wife, right? That's the, that's the problem. It's like, well, I want to be the wife, but I'm not the wife. Each time, this is what Carol Anthony says, each time we face a problem of this sort, we have three choices that appear. Allowing things to work out, one. Two, forcing advantage, trying to become the wife, forcing it. Three, abandoning the problem altogether out of fear. Now, you can probably imagine what she and what the I Ching advises. The I Ching is a sage level of wisdom. It says, if we allow matters to work out, 
we learn to influence through the power of inner truth and inner desire. We further strengthen our personality by maintaining our inner independence and self-esteem even while under the pressures of adversity after we've taken a risk or acknowledged our desire. So the Aries point of this year that's also going to be very big in 2024 because there will still be eclipses in Aries in 2024, the north node of destiny being in Aries is saying, boom, here's some big realizations around our individual desires. Each one of us, you, your desires, my desires, your partner's desires, your best friend's desires. People will be having big awakening moments around what they need and what they want. And there will be, especially from March to May, a huge fire under people's butts to get what they want and to go for what they want. And sometimes at the expense of another person. And so the 50, it's always, it's like the I Ching is like drinking a tall glass of water on a hot day because the I Ching always gives me, always gives me the balancing perspective of like, watch out, be careful. And the be careful perspective is that of the tale of the marrying maiden. What happens when a concubine tries to become the wife? <laughs> There's actually this crazy, what's the, where did I, where was I watching this where it was like, you know what happens when the mistress becomes the wife, right? Then you get another mistress. So it's like, it's this never, <laughs> you know, we might have an awakening around our desire and we're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to crush the competition, Aries. I'm going to crush it to get there. You get there and then you're like, oh my God, there's now more problems or the same kind of problem, right? I talk about this a lot in the entertainment industry because it is an industry where people try to basically walk on top of other people to get to where they want to be, to have some semblance of control and power. We're going to talk about this in 2023 because mm, Pluto is moving into Aquarius, which is not about stepping on people at all. It's the antithesis of that. So there's a, a lot of danger in this industry around that. People like really just try to climb the ladder very quickly, sometimes surreptitiously with duplicity. And the 54th hexagram is basically saying, look, you may want to be the wife metaphorically in your life somewhere. You might want to be number one. And that's okay. It's okay. There's no, I'm, not, I'm not trying to create a judgment around the desire. I actually think desire is very, very powerful. And with Jupiter and Aries, it's very powerful. So you may want to metaphorically be the wife or be first in some part of your life in the first two quarters of 2023. And you have to do it with a certain amount of what Carol Anthony says. She says, inner independence and self-esteem while under the pressures of adversity. Because if you want to be first, first in some area of your life, you're immediately creating a situation or entering, entering a situation where there will be adversity, right? To be first, someone has to be second. <laughs> so it's, it's, the whole dynamic is there, right? It's set up. It's juicy. If we force matters, right? If we force, if we force matters during this period of time, we abandon the way of the sage. This is what the I Ching says and compromise our self-esteem. Our victory becomes then both hollow and temporary, for we achieve only conformity rather than the change of heart and willing adherence that we really seek. Okay? So we have to be very careful about our level or our gauge around wanting. I think I'm thinking a little bit about a car. You know, you can get a BMW, which can go very, very quickly, very fast, but you can actually, if you continually ride the BMW at let's say 120 miles an hour you push it to the to the to the extent of how fast it can move that that engine has to work first off you're going really really fast which is always 
kind of dangerous, especially like in an urban setting. And also you're pushing the engine to its max capacity in the hopes that you can get somewhere quickly, which is very much Jupiter and Aries. Let's get there quickly without always having integrity. And that is the warning of the 54th hexagram. The I Ching is telling us, okay, it's great that you're having downloads about what you desire for yourself in a selfish manner, which I am not having a judgment about. I support healthy selfishness. And also we have to get there while maintaining inner independence and, you know, having basically a vessel around our desire or a check and audit system around our desire, are we behaving within our value system to get to where we want to go, even if the fire is burning really strong and we want to cut corners? Okay, there's a ton of emphasis on betraying inner in, inner dignity with this, this warning of the 54th hexagram. Okay, w wanting too much from others always leads to unreasonable expectations causing the other person to rebel. These failures arouse our pride, further complicating matters. Even being ambitious about self-development can lead to disappointment. It is as if the ego, seeing that we are determined to correct ourselves, joins the effort. Characteristically, it believes that an all-out effort will win the day, with each self-sacrifice it watches to see if gains are made. Its participation is always conditional, hesitant, and glory-seeking. Nothing of an enduring value can be achieved by our, by our ego. Okay? So that that's just, it's just a lot about... I mean, the thing, the, the thing that this hexagram really emphasizes is that there's a ton of desire to go quickly and to be first, all very Aries with the North Node there and Jupiter there. The balm or the advice that this hexagram gives us is correct procedures, which is, oh, ooh, that's so Taurus, mm, Taurus and Capricorn, correct procedures moving forward. Whether we are looking for a job or a mate, beginning a new business, or buying or selling something, the person who controls their desires and puts the fundamental consideration of just and correct conduct above all else will not end in being a slave to anyone or anything. Their relationships will be free of troubles and annoyances that plague easy and quick relationships. So there will be a lot of fuel and there's going to be a ton more fuel than there was in 2022. 2022 had a lot of emphasis on Taurus and Taurus is real slow and real methodical, but now we're entering into a rocket ship blasting energy of Aries, especially in Q1 and Q2, quarter one and quarter two of 2023. It's going to make people want to make really big, quick, easy changes. And the, 54th hexagram is offering us the balm or the salve of you have with great power and with great fuel comes great responsibility and you have to have an audit system for how you are approaching your great big new desire. So there's a level of realism that's present here where the concubine for this metaphor has to really accept where the, the status of where they're at and realize like, oh, I can become the wife metaphorically. So you can upgrade your life, which is very much Aries is like, let's go big or go home. You can upgrade it. And also you have to meet out your desire. Like you have to really like contain the way that your energy is moving this year, especially through May of 2023. So that's the big piece of wisdom. I thought it was really funny. <laughs> I was like, wow, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to want to be the wife this year. Everyone. And I mean, why? I, again, like this is Confucian era 
China. Like, you got to just roll with me here. But it's just such a delicious metaphor because it's everyone's going to want to be first. They're going to be the one. They want to be the number one wife, not the concubine. But this this energy is going to help people step out into the hero's journey to become number one. And we also have to contain that desire so that there is integrity every step of the way and so that we are not trying to step on people or be false or lie to get somewhere quickly or to bull i mean this energy is very much bulldozing kind of an energy like i don't really care about you i'm gonna just boom jump on top and keep moving so that is something to watch out for that the hexagram the I Ching, the 54th hexagram is very clear about I hope that was helpful. That is the sort of tonal I Ching for the year from my perspective at the World of Rex. You know, check it out. You can look it up online. Very simple. 54th hexagram. I did not get any changing lines, so there was no modifiers to the hexagram, which means that it was like, boom, 54th. That's it. That's all you got to know. So look it up if you want to go into a deeper dive. There's a lot of great resources online. <sighs> so let's dive into the year ahead. Okay. The year starts out slow. January, February, especially January, Mars is retrograde in Gemini. He stations direct on January 12th of 2023. Mars has been in Gemini since the 30th of October, 2022. And he was retrograde for a long time, just like crunching over the Gemini part of our chart, which has a lot to do with technology, transportation, siblings, and masculine or male characters in those realms so we had the twitter fiasco was the entirety of that really like almost to the t twitter fiasco with elon musk twitter has twitter is a social media website which is ruled by gemini twitter also has mars and gemini so this was an activation of its mars kanye west was losing his absolute mind uh, publicly and was and just has been doing all sorts of really challenging he's been behaving in a very challenging public facing way he is a gemini son he is a man that is a gemini so mars gemini retrograde retrograde being like whew, that can be sometimes going down a rabbit hole and then donald trump and his uh, taxes as well as the january 6th committee that uh Trump is also a Gemini sun. So that was the beginning of, well, that was the cycle, October 30th to January 12th. It will start to wrap up those collective themes that I just spoke about, but also in your life, it was possible that you were feeling exhausted, unmotivated, or ADHD-like energy, as well as like major arguments, especially with siblings or with Geminis in your life, okay? So could be major miscommunications in general, not just siblings and, and Geminis, but like anybody, because Gemini rules the, the words that leave our mouth, right? So I could during, uh, I, I know this, this happened in my life, Mars retrograde and Gemini, there were certain com communications that happened between people who actually like, you know, fall under the category of sibling that were so ridiculous in their like lack of communication like just it was just like wow they're almost like it was impossible to communicate so this could have definitely happened for a lot of folks especially people born during the day because day charts are especially impacted by anything that mars does so this is a time in mid-january moving onward so january 12th moving onward to apologize to those you've upset or or talk to people and reignite conversations that got really frayed during the retrograde and work through issues 
Okay. And apology, apologizing is a really profound medicine in Mars and Gemini. So like, even if you maybe don't feel like you did anything wrong, still being like, Hey, I'm sorry that like things got weird. You know, can we talk more about it? That's a great thing to do. Also, you know, with this station direct thinking about your transportation and technology in maybe a more clarified way. So I would wait to buy a car or a mode of transporta transportation until after January 12th. I would also think about maybe um, being extra careful with technological devices and perhaps waiting to buy a technological device after January 12th. That being said, Mars is like our drive. It's our libido. It's how we do things. It doesn't, he doesn't really pick up speed until March. So here, here I keep going again. I keep saying March, March, March. He's slow in January and February. He's still picking up the pieces of what the havoc that he caused since the 30th of October. So it's, it, that affects everybody on a physiological level where especially day charts, but anybody will be like, oh, I'm still like picking my pieces up and I don't have as much energy as I always feel like I do. Uh, anyone who is a Gemini sun, Gemini rising, Gemini moon will be feeling this especially or any of the mutable signs. I'm a Pisces. I'm, a feel, I'm feeling this. Ooh, I'm feeling this so hard. I can't wait until he moves direct to January 12th. So things will start to, to pick up, but not very quickly. So again, the year starts out slow. And my advice on a practical level for January and February is take things slow like really take time with the data, which is Gemini, like the information coming in, question what kinds of information am I taking in on a daily basis? Are they healthy? Do they actually feed my soul? So learning how to reduce unnecessary or unaligned information in your life. And also that could also be getting rid of, you know, certain types of relationships or certain forms of communication that have not worked. So thinking and strategizing around new methods of communication and your relationship to intaking information. Very important. Okay. Now, what am I, what's going on starting in March? March 20th is the spring equinox. Right around that time, the pace will quicken considerably, as I've said. There is big news in 2023 because the outer planets are ingressing into new signs. Okay, <laughs> like boom, boom, boom. Now, the amazing thing that I can tell you in astrology, outer planets, the farther out they are, the ingresses mean a lot more, like just have a lot more impact. It's a big deal. It's big news. It's front page news when an outer planet changes from one sign, one constellation to another constellation. It is big news. Why? Because as above, so below, when an outer planet, the farther out a planet is, the more it affects the collective. So that means everybody gets caught up in the auric signature of whatever that planet means in that sign. So the thing that happened, I'm going to pull us back to another March that's a little bit of a traumatic March, and that is March of 2020. In March of 2020, we had a Capricorn stellium, a Capricorn stellium in March Okay. Well, it's, it's not true. There was a few planets in Capricorn. There's definitely some planets in Aquarius. Yikes. In Saturn rule signs. And the big kahuna was uh, Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto conjoining in Capricorn. This was the, yeah, there was a stellium. It was a stellium. I'm not wrong. It was a stellium. Stellium is three or more planets in, in the same sign. 
And they all conjoined. And the thing that is so intense about what happened is that every astrologer, including myself, I remember in late 29, 2019, looking at this astrology and being like, this is gnarly. This is going to be so gnarly. And it was predicted. A lot of astrologers were like, it's either going to be massive earthquakes or a plague. It ended up being a plague. But the reason I'm bringing this up is not to rehash it for no reason. It's to actually tell everybody, ding, 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 this phase is finally over. The cycle is over. Why? Because Saturn is getting a, a far away. He's just moved through Aquarius in the last couple of years. Now he's in Pisces and Pluto leaves Capricorn. Hallelujah. Pluto leaves Capricorn. And what that does is that that sets an entirely new outer planet information stream to the collective that says now we're focusing on these things. And Pluto is all about power, control, institutions, government, large amounts of money. Like Pluto rules the big, it, big deal, big deal stuff and very heavily collective, effective stuff, right? Like it affects the collective profoundly. When he moves into Aquarius from Capricorn, which happens, mm-hmm, he does that on the 23rd of March. Like I said, ooh, March, 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 late March. Like keep your eyes out, y'all. That's when the year really starts. Pluto moves into Aquarius on March 23rd, and he is not there for the longest time because he has to backpedal back into Capricorn. I will talk about this later. But he moves into Aquarius and says, here's a sneak pre here's a sneak preview of a very important brand new cycle. And you could even say it's the age of Aquarius, age of Aquarius. Yes. So Pluto gets in there and is like, we're now doing Aquarius stuff. We're no longer doing Capricorn stuff when it comes to power, control, institutions, money, capitalism, late capitalism. And this is very exciting. It is a sneak preview, a.k.a. he's only there for a couple months. But what is the difference between Capricorn and Aquarius? And why am I talking about March of 2020? In March of 2020, an event happened, which, you know, again, us astrologers were like, this is going to be a horrendous, like, Earth shockwave event. And it was. And it changed forever the way that the world functioned. This was because the planets were all meeting up at the last degrees of Capricorn. And Capricorn, just archetypally, is traditional structures, time-tested traditional structures that are like, again, you know, there's a precedent and we know it works. And late capitalism, like, the, it, don't worry, capitalism works. Free market economy works. Like, people working themselves into the ground, it works. That's all late degrees Capricorn with Pluto there. Pluto and, and Saturn and Jupiter all com basically came together, combusted, and said, these systems are no longer working, by the way. They pressurized the living hell of, out of the last degrees of Capricorn. Mind you, the U.S., this was the U.S.'s Pluto return at the last degrees of Capricorn. So this is pressurizing the U.S. to be the leader in making profound systemic changes in terms of wealth, distribution, um, the earth, literally the earth itself, like environmental health of the earth, uh, and then equality, fraternity, equity, etc. The age of Aquarius. And the age of Aquarius is like, especially we'll see it once Pluto in 2024 really gets moving, 
once he really gets moving into Aquarius, we will start to see massive technological advancements. Really, I mean, I'm talking like beyond, beyond meta, beyond all the stuff that exists now that people are like, that's out there. Like, oof, Pluto and Aquarius is going to be like hoverboards and like, you know, <laughs> be like, it is the Jetsons. It's the Jetsons. It's going to be so wild. That's all going to happen. But also, people are no longer going to want to do the late capitalist Capricorn grind of like, oh, I have to work for my $7 an hour. And I, no, no. Pluto in Aquarius is yes to freedom, yes to fraternity. And by fraternity, I mean like finding like radical connection within networks, large networks of people, the internet, the internet being a thing that equalizes people. Aquarius is very interested in equalizing, which can be, I, I will say, the shadow side. And there is definitely a shadow side to this ingress. The shadow side of Pluto and Aquarius is... I, I don't know any other way to say it, like uh, Big Brother, 1984. The shadow side of Aquarius is, yeah, everyone's equal, equal under like a fascistic uh, set of rules that everyone has to follow. So that's all very possible. That's the shadow side. I don't like to call that in. And all that means is that we have to be very mindful as a species around how technology is going to... <laughs> profoundly change our lives and how much power we're actually giving to technology. Technology, when Pluto moves into a technological sign like Aquarius, mm, the, the high likelihood that AI and other forms of technology gain tons of power, Pluto, is very high, is very, very high. So we will be navigating an entirely new landscape in terms of power control technology and e people being equalized and what that means. So it's it's intense and it's nuanced and I'm not a psychic so I'm not saying I know how this is going to play out but it's going to be a very uh, capitalism will be transforming immensely due to technological advances. And I'm saying I'm hoping I guess that we're really moving out of capitalism into something entirely different, but that transformation and that transition is not without lots of challenges. Lots of challenges. You know why? Because human beings, ooh, we struggle to change. <laughs> and collectively, ooh, we struggle to change even more collectively. It's easier for an individual to change, much harder for the collective. So let's talk about the outer planets moving. This means that there's just going to be a massive tone shift starting in March of 2023. You're going to feel it. I guarantee that March, April, May, you're going to be like, whoa, my life is really changing in this area. Oh, that got big. Ooh, that got really big really quickly. As long as you're acting in integrity, 54th hexagram, and controlling your energy, 54th hexagram, and realizing that you can be the wife in your life, but you can't screw other people over to get there. That's going to be the challenge. So Saturn enters Pisces on March 7th. So March, it keeps, it's the date it's the month. It's the big month. March 7th, we have multiple ingresses, Saturn into Pisces, and then, of course, Pluto into Aquarius. So Saturn moves into Pisces. This is really, really nice. This is another reason why March of 2020 is a closed chapter, because Pisces will now start to make, the Saturn in Pisces will start to make nice, nice angles to Uranus in Taurus. The Uranus-Taurus, uh, the Taurus and Aquarius square, which was Uranus and Saturn being in both signs, was starting in 2020 and had a lot to do with uh, another deep level of pressure testing around uh, traditional 
institutions. So that was everything from the banking system versus crypto, people shorting the market. Obviously, that can manifest liter quite literally as environmental disasters. But basically, the energy or the pressure testing is releasing in March. It is official. Once Saturn moves into Pisces, we have an, a totally different energetic signature around the things that we need to create boundaries around. Saturn is boundaries. Saturn is hard work. And it's karmic. And when it enters the fish, the sign of the fishies, it's going to be so different. It's going to be so different. It also means that Saturn, for the next two years, is answering to Jupiter. Whoa. In Aries. Whoa. The concubine wanting to be the wife. Mm. Okay. So... You have all of a sudden a very somber Saturn who for four, almost five years was in a, its own rulership in Capricorn and Aquarius. So Saturn was just doing Saturn things. He was just like, look, I'm just going to do the heavy lifting. There's a pandemic. Everyone's isolated. Like life feels depressing. Life, you have to have a lot of boundaries. You have to wear masks, social distancing. That's all Saturn in a Capricorn, in Capricorn and Aquarius, right? Just depressing, depressing, depressing the last four and a half years. This is such a different tone. I just want to like really emphasize to folks listening, Saturn in Pisces starts to answer to Jupiter. And Jupiter is the planet of good luck, expansion, making things big, making things noticeable, having a certain level of levity and excitement and like eye-opening experiences, godlike experiences. So that's nice. There is, you know, always a caveat where it's like Jupiter wants to make things really, really big. And if Saturn's there, Saturn's like, ooh, yeah. a great example for me is like I'm considering going to rabbinical school and I'm like really seriously considering it. And that would be Saturn and Pisces. Saturn and Pisces would be working towards a spiritual pursuit, a spiritual calling. But since Saturn is answering to Pluto, Saturn's like, oh, and there's so much work. There's so much work involved, by the way. You will be studying for hours and hours and hours. So just know that in your excitement to do the Jupiterian thing, which is pursuing an artistic or, you know, uh, spiritual or like life expanding experience to go towards that, Saturn in Pisces is like, yeah, and there's work behind it. Yeah. And there's a vessel that you have to strengthen through discipline and dedication. So it's very funny. I mean, I like this, I like this transit a lot uh, because I do think that one thing that especially Gen Z and perhaps millennials are lacking as, and, and Gen X for sure, Gen X for sure. But like, I also have like, no offense to all my Gen X listeners, like I gave up on, <laughs> I gave up on the, the spiritual pursuits for Gen X people a long time ago. But actually, let me renege that and say that this transit of Saturn into Pisces will likely force because Saturn is a karmic energy that forces. He forces you to figure out how to put work in that area of your life. When he moves into Pisces, he's going to ask everyone to develop a much stronger spiritual foundation. Everybody. I don't care when you if you were born in the 70s or the 2020s. You know, well, I guess you'd be two years, three years old, but everyone's going to be asked during this two and a half year cycle with Saturn and Pisces to create a spiritual structure, an artistic structure, a life-giving, flow-inducing, God, you know, God-touching structure. And that could mean, you know, for some folks, it might mean going to retreats, to spiritual retreats. That's definitely a vessel that is spiritual. It could be someone going to rabbinical school. It could be someone becoming, you know, going back to school, going back to school in general, but maybe for an artistic or spiritual, uh, you know, endeavor. Uh, psilocybin and magic mushroom 
will become met regulated, I'm sure, under this transit. You know, anything that has to do with altered states of consciousness that are uh, consciousness expanding, they will be given heavily, you know, maintained structures, right? So, you know, they'll be like, okay, psilocybin is legal, legal, ayahuasca is legal, and these are the parameters, Saturn, that these psychedelic uh, drugs can have now in a legal setting. Saturn's also a lot about law. So I do think a lot of folks are going to feel drawn towards the metaphysical. This is really good news for like astrologers and really good news for, you know, uh, any sort of spiritual figure. Uh, but also you know, the other side is like cult leaders and stuff like that. So watch out. People are going to feel really drawn to putting some work into the spiritual area of their life with Pisces. Uh, this could also help a lot of people get sober. A lot of people get sober because Saturn's like, mm, I'm putting a limitation on Pisces. And Pisces can really decide to go down the rabbit hole when it comes to any kind of addiction. So Saturn's going to probably put a cap on that for a lot of people and just be like, you got to do something different. You have to exchange the addiction for something that's spiritually nourishing. So that's that transit. I really like it. Really, really love it. And if you want to think back, if you're, uh, you know, of this age, you can think back to the 21st of May, 1993 to April 7th of 1996. That was the last time that Saturn was in Pisces. So the 93 to 96 babies are having their Saturn return. That's a big deal for y'all. Get a reading with me to find out. You're going to need it. You're going to need a reading during your Saturn return. Get, just guarantee that. And um, Saturn goes retrograde um, from 17th of June to the 4th of November. So just know that he will be retrograde in Pisces, having us look back on how we have started to implement spiritual or artistic or consciousness expanding themes into our life with a structure. So the structure will be revisited uh, during from June to November. And fantasy, the thing that I love is that fantasies can become reality under this experience, right? Fantasy is Pisces. Saturn is reality. Fantasies can become reality now. So be careful what you wish for, right? Be very mindful of what you wish for, especially since Jupiter is the ruler of this experience and he's flying through Aries. He's just going bananas through Aries. So be really careful. Be really clear about what you're wishing for because fantasies can certainly become reality right now. Okay. Do, do, do. We have now Pluto entering Aquarius just fall really shortly thereafter on the 23rd of March, March being the big month. And this is going to lead to changes in diplomacy, right, on a, on a world stage level, changes in how people invest money. Cryptocurrency is going to become a I'm, – I'm just letting you know. I'm not psychic, but I know for sure cryptocurrency is going to be massively bigger with every degree that Jupiter uh, Pluto moves into Aquarius. Every degree that Pluto moves into Aquarius, especially starting in 2024, you best believe that money is going to become completely digital very quickly and decentralized because Aquarius's key signature is fraternity, which is everyone having an equalized opportunity and therefore power not being able to accumulate in the hands of billionaires or in the hands of banks. So this Pluto into Aquarius ingress is like, give the money to everybody, give the power to everybody. And what does that look like? And it's it's going to be messy. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be so gnarly because we have been inculcated in late capitalism for everybody their whole lives. We have known nothing else, you know, nothing else unless we come from a different country. Maybe we know some other countries are not practicing this quite this level of late capitalism that the U.S. is. But for us Americans, we're not going to recognize what Pluto and Aquarius is saying 
are the ramifications of the digital world and how the digital world wants to basically take out hierarchy entirely through decentralization. So there's going to be a lot there. It's going to be, you know, it's Pluto's there for 20 years, so it's going to be a long, drawn-out process, but some of the changes are going to be very quick. And on that note, I wanted to actually read a little bit from one of my favorite books. Uh, anyone who's a good astrologer, in my opinion, reads The Archetypal Universe by Ren Butler. It is one of the Bibles. It is just an incredible book. So beautiful. Oh, love it. And what I'm going to read, you know, I'm going to read for Uranus contacting Pluto. The reason I'm doing that is because Pluto is moving into a sign that is ruled by the contemporary leader of, of Uranus, Aquarius. Aquarius is a Uranian sign. So I want to read some just moments, um, rather some phrases, moments, well, they could be moments, but I want to read some phrases from the uh, the planetary pairs of Uranus and Pluto because this the things I'm about to say are the signature of the next 20 years of Pluto and Aquarius, which will affect all of us as a globe. And also it will affect each and every one of us, especially as we go through Pluto transits, which you can get a reading with me and find out whether you're having a Pluto transit or not. But everyone's had one, and they're pretty intense. They're the most intense, actually. So Uranus-Pluto. The principles of it are the titanic quest for human freedom and individual individuation, driving forces of evolution and revolution. Oh, revolution's such a big word for this. So that's also like we will see some major revolution happening on the globe. The sense of participating in an epic death-rebirth cycle erotic emancipation and awakening of natural and Dionysian energies, volcanic ecstasy, a tendency toward driving manic energies, fanatical idealism, and obsession with change at any cost, urges for external revolution without adequate processing of one's inner emotional material, forces of cataclysm and upheaval. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> it's. it is so real. Going back to the 54th hexagram, I talked about, you know, wanting to step over people to become the first wife, to be the wife, you know, to upgrade from the concubine. The shadow qualities that Ren Butler talks about here, he says that Pluto touching Uranus is a tendency toward driving manic energies, willfulness and impatience, self-righteous radicalism, fanatical idealism, and obsession with change at any cost, empowerment of the eccentric impulse hijacking more pressing issues, dangerous or harmful forms of rebellion. We got to be careful. Okay, that's the thing. It's like it can be destructive in how powerful this transit is, especially this year when he just moves in. Pluto will only really get to the zero degree mark and then move back into Capricorn. So we're getting this initial taste, which could really cause a few people to have a turnabout, like to want to go really to pivot and try to go in the direction of, of Uranus and Aquarius and Jupiter in Aries to go towards a whole new world, a whole new life, but maybe they throw the, the baby out with the bathwater. And that is my, my warning, my forewarning of this energy, especially in March, April, May, June. Be mindful of like, am I, yes, I need to take a risk. Yes, I need to start the hero's journey. Am I throwing the baby out with the bathwater? Is this what I really want? Being really clear about what you want. Because this is a very much a buck the system kind of an energy. So that is Ren Butler. I'm going to give some positive themes because I just gave a bunch of negative themes. I mean, there's incredible liberation qualities here. 
Like people, I, I do see this next year so profoundly. People are going to be liberating themselves. In 2022, the Taurus-Scorpio eclipse cycle made it very apparent where addictions were causing a lot of problems in people's lives. So people became very aware, Scorpio addictions, around how things were not sustainable or relationships were not sustainable or communication styles, et cetera, were not sustainable. 2023 is when people are going to start to make real changes around the awareness that was pressure tested in 2022. That's when you're going to start to see people be keyword brave, including yourself. I have been telling my clients one-on-one, fortune favors the bold. And what I mean by that is that people who are willing to actually take risks and like buck the system in their life this year will likely land on their feet because Jupiter is a benefic planet in Aries saying, I will protect the warrior who has decided to pull their the sword out of their sheath and and cut through the uh, the forest, right? Cut through the trees in the forest and get to their destination. That is very favored. And the other side of it is there is a very thin line of really going for what you want, doing it with integrity versus the shadow side, which is like dis- like burning your life down because you feel this impulse to eject out of it. So being really clear, like there's a difference between ejecting yourself out of your life because you want to just change everything all at once because of the, the planets have grabbed you versus being really intentional about how and where you know you need to embark. You need to have action. Jupiter in a Mars-ruled sign is all about action. It's not about talk. It's about walk. So everybody is going to be walking, perhaps running, this year, or should be. Should feel the compulsion to do that. And just be really clear about, hey, where am, where am I running? Like, where am I running to? That's really good. Now, of course, we cannot, we are not psychics in our own lives. That would be no fun. Life would not be adventurous if we knew where we were going. So it's not that you have to have the whole plan figured out. You just need to make sure that your heart and your soul is in the journey. Like, is it aligned? Does it feel like, yes, this is the right thing for me? And if you don't know that answer, then take more time to figure it out. But touch in with it and and try new rituals with it and continually connect with new people. The one thing I was uh, thinking about this morning was that part of being a social creature is it's so healthy to be social. And we're leaving this 2020 COVID era cycle astrologically where it was extremely antisocial with all those planets being in Saturn ruled signs. We're now moving into much more gregarious signs. Okay. Much more, much more gregarious. And the thing I was thinking about this morning is that people who are social and active, physically active, tend to live longer. And it's because when you converge with another human. And when you're a highly social person, even if you're an introvert, it doesn't matter. I'm not trying to make judgment that introverts are not going to live as long. But even if you still force yourself to engage with people, whether it's one-on-one or in groups, you are changed by that experience and you are stimulated by the experience of another person. And stimulating the interiority of who you are through putting yourself out there with other people actually gives you more neural networks to work with and therefore you are more solution-oriented because you have more paths to choose from in your interiority, in your brain. So socializing is actually healthy on an internal level. And that's what Pluto and Aquarius is saying. It's saying here's power to the people, aka here's power to being social and being well-networked. Your network is your net worth. Ooh, that is such a Pluto and Aquarius saying. Your network is your net worth. That's a big one. So that's emphasized. 
Now, I do have the uh, Inside Degrees by Elias Lonsdale for Aquarius 1 degree and Capricorn 30 degrees, and I think I am going to read them out loud. That's This is going to be the last, well, there's a little bit more to go. But I think it's important to hear what the Inside Degrees are for the Pluto transit because it's just going to be a, such a poignant moment. And this is happening. Pluto stations... Uh, back into Capricorn on the 11th of June. So 11th of June is another date to mark. And it's 10 days before, 10 days after the 11th of June, where that one degree of Aquarius is going to be super prominent because Pluto will be grinding to a halt on June 11th. And so issues around power control within an Aquarius lens are going to come up. So I want to read the inside degree for you to meditate on in terms of how this could impact your life personally and certainly how it'll impact the globe. So one degrees Aquarius in Elias's book is a two-headed calf, right? So it's a baby cow with two heads, right? Like a little freaky. I know Aquariuses are so freaky. They're like, oh, I'm, well, you know, I'm in the future. Uh, I'm a scientifically mutated animal. So a two-headed calf, Aquarius, and the phrases that he gives us are taking a good look at things with an eager eye brings you right into the middle of the dilemma of polarities. As you stand there, faced with the different sides, you are impartial. Neither side pulls you more sharply than the other. So it's maybe a crossroads for some folks. Immense opportunity awaits. Huge challenges. You have vital potential for brilliant synthesis, but a subtle temptation to think too long. A schooling in alchemy in every moment. Do you find what is ready to emerge, or do you think about it? Ooh, finding versus thinking. Ah, finding Jupiter and Aries. Thinking is is not Jupiter and Aries. Progressive evolution draws you through all your mistakes into all that can be. Mmm, I like that last one. Progressive evolution, which is very Aquarian, draws you through all your mistakes into all that can be. So that's kind of nice. That gives us some permission to make mistakes, which Jupiter and Aries is going to put people in positions where they really do put their foot in their mouth or they run into the wrong hole. <laughs> like Jupiter and Aries is going to be a whole vibe. People are going to be making some messes. And this one degree Pluto transit in Aquarius is saying, okay, like, you know, your, your mistakes can lead you to holiness. There can be some alchemy through figuring out the polarities of this experience, which involves sometimes making a mistake, trial and error. But immense opportunity and huge challenge. Oof, yeah, on the collective level, this is going to be really big. Now, Pluto on the 12th of, of or sorry, on the 11th of June, will start to move back into Capricorn, the 30th degree of Capricorn, okay? Whew. I'm going to read this too because Basically, when Pluto moves back into Capricorn, he's saying to us collectively and individually, hey, there's still some work to do in your Capricorn house. There's still some work that we have not fully cleared up in terms of late capitalism, in terms of traditional banking structures, in terms of power and control issues that are of a traditional nature or of an established nature. Before we move into the future, which is Aquarius. Aquarius really wants to move into the future, but Pluto is not quite ready in 2023. He does fully move into Aquarius at the end of the year and then in 2024 onward, never to return to Capricorn in our lifetimes. It's a big deal. So Capricorn 30 is blue morning glories growing up a tall trellis. So this is flowers. They're very different than a two-headed calf, some flowers. And what Elias says is, 
heightened ability to bring the greater self into action, the towering presence of the one who knows informing each moment, a huge and formidable destiny dedication to bring all of yourself through into the world. Ooh, that's, that's hot. I love it. A steadfast, adamant quality of soul, the prenatal resolve to work out all remaining karmas and be free. Oh, that makes so, it just makes so much sense. Intensive focus upon soul evolution, having purpose, having will. You have something to grow into throughout your life. Ancient ways, unfallen heights, seeing through the veil. Staggered by what you have taken on. Ooh, staggered by what you've taken on. Yeah, that's, this is after Pluto or after Jupiter moves through Aries. So people are gonna be like, oh my God, my life, my life is so much bigger. How did this happen? Staggered by what you have taken on in the hero's journey, ripening on the vine, under massive pressure from within, the path and journey of ascension with the body honored and the world renewed, awakening and tapping the source for endeavors, projects, and tasks that requires top-level clearance and the truest endowment of inward faculties to see them through and light up this world. I got goosebumps. I love it. I love it so much. I love it so much. It's really, really brilliant. And I I think that this is going to be a very empowering Pluto transit. But again, the thing that I want to just forewarn or just talk about is the clearing remaining karmas and to become free. That's a big part. What is Pluto in Aquarius? It's It's the deep, deep strive for freedom, striving for freedom. Whereas Pluto and Capricorn is more like, well, there's a lot of power in structures that already existed. Aquarius is like, but those those structures aren't free. There is not freedom built into those structures. There's slavery. And Capricorn's like, okay, yeah, can we go back and liberate ourselves from all that and find a way to do it differently that is still very steady and yet freedom-oriented? So this is a lot of big themes coming up, but it makes sense that we're getting we're getting some time to really like get very clear on what we want to do, our endeavors, our projects, and our tasks before we move into 2024, into the age of Aquarius. Okay, so moving on, we have Jupiter, as I said, he will be in Aries until the 16th of May. He then moves into Taurus. So May and June, we start to have a tone shift. What happens? The planets move back into Earth signs. We have uh, Jupiter moving back, move, Jupiter moving forward into Taurus, and then we have Pluto moving backward into Capricorn. What are Earth signs? They want to make sure that the plant can grow and that the plant is healthy and that the foundations of your life are pressure tested and your proverbial building is earthquake proof. That's what the Earth signs want, especially Taurus and Capricorn. They're like, yeah, is this real though? Is it tangible? Does it work? Does it not break? Great. Awesome. If any of the answers to those questions are no in your life right around this time, mid-2023, you're going to figure it out. You're going to be like, oh, all right, that didn't work. Or this works. This is very sustainable. Good job. But they're going back to make sure, or these planets are going into Earth signs to make sure that you do have a stable foundation for the new changes that have been implemented March, April. Okay, so it is all I mean, the planets are always trying to help you out. They really I fully believe that even the challenging ones, they're like, okay, now that you've made the big Aries changes and you you decided to be the first wife. Cool. Uh, Did you do it with integrity? Is it going to last long? Is it really like sustainable? And is it bringing in sustainable income or sustainable livelihood to you? 
So there's going to be a lot of practical questions that start in late May, early June, and really going to roll around um, all the way until the 4th of September, well, really through the rest of the year, because Jupiter will start to retrograde on the 4th of September to the 30th of December, going over a lot of Taurus degrees. So really digging deep into the Earth and saying, is this foundation, was it, was it built deep into the ground? Because if it wasn't built deep into the ground, Taurus doesn't want to have anything to do with it. They're like, this has to be long-term. It's got to feel sustainable. It's got to feel good. And I need to make sure it's real. So there's going to be a lot of introspection the second half of the year. Like, did the changes I implemented in the first two quarters of the year, do they have staying power? That's basically it. Do they have staying power? And you'll find ways to make them more sustainable with that Jupiter and Taurus, bestowing blessings to the, to the Taurus era's area of your chart. So the Taurus house of your chart is very important to know. Jupiter will be really trying to give you blessings there. I'm going to give some key dates for Jupiter because I love my little Jupiter. He's a, he's not even little. He's big uh, and he's awesome. And I love, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Pisces, so I'm like ruled by, by Jupiter. I love Jupiter so much. So the big dates to work with you can put in your calendar are Venus and Jupiter connecting, coming together on the 2nd of March of 2022, 2023, encouraging us to make major declarations of love. So Venus and Jupiter coming together on the 2nd of March is a literal, beautiful election day for anything to do with love, romance, art, like big, huge, love, romance, art, and money. These are like, if you are like, oh, I really want to do a prayer. The second of March is the day to really call that in, to really call in major romance, major love, major money, major art. Those things are very well, um, or even traveling, traveling would be amazing as well to a foreign land or even to just somewhere different that you can have a, a really like loving experience doing and being at. So then the sun and, and Jupiter in Aries will come together. So on a month later, on the 11th of April, and the sun and Jupiter Kazemi is beautiful. It just boosts confidence. So April 11th before the eclipse, it's about 10 days before the first eclipse of the year, is here to boost people's confidences in the Aries part of their chart. So if you know where Aries falls in your chart, again, you can get a reading with me, you will know where there is a big good luck signature, big green light for a lot of people saying like, yes, baby, you're doing the right thing. I love that. I just love supporting people, feeling people feeling supported by the planets. Then Pluto in Aquarius and Jupiter in Taurus will square on the 1st of May. Ooh, this is not a nice transit. So Jupiter Jupiter moves into Taurus, like I said, in um, in May. I think earlier than that. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Um, and they and will square Jupiter and Taurus. No, it's actually that period of time, May, early May. Pluto and Aquarius will square Jupiter and Taurus. We have not experienced this energy ever in our lifetimes. So the, what's happening on the 1st of May is a brand new collective experience for everybody who's alive on the planet right now. And it has a lot to do with power struggles. So we'll see kind of how that plays out. But if you are having power struggles around May 1st, they're just clear indicators of where there's work that needs to be done and will continue to come up over the, the, the year as it really they, they're going to square multiple times throughout the year. So they're not going to, it's not one and done on May 1st. It's like, here's the first, here's the first warning sign to really pay attention to and to address and take accountability for on May 1st. 
And then we have the North Node and Jupiter coming together on the 1st of June, which is just beautiful. Oh my gosh. It brings luck our way in the Taurus part of our chart. Hallelujah. I love the North Node and Jupiter coming together. It just feels really, really juicy to me. Really good. So it's a great day to have luck. I mean, this is liquid luck kind of a day, June 1st. And then just speaking of the North Node of Destiny, which has to do with the eclipse cycle, the eclipse new and full moons, which are basically super moons. They're super new moons or super full moons. They're powerful and faded lunations that occur on the nodal axis. There are four of them in 2023. So the two dates to remember are April 20th. At, well, April and May is going to be the first two months to remember. That's eclipse season of 20, the first eclipse season of 2023, April and May. And then again, October, November, we are having two more eclipses in the second half of 2023. Wow, really potent, really big. We're having this year what's called a hybridized eclipse cycle. What a, What is a hybridized eclipse cycle? It's when you have basically four eclipses and all of the four of them are in different signs. So we're going to have one eclipse in Aries, we're going to have one eclipse in Scorpio, then we will have one eclipse in Libra, and then another eclipse in Taurus, right? Okay, that's four different signs, four different eclipses. That doesn't happen every year. So in 2022, last year, we had eclipses in just Scorpio and Taurus, which really thematically highlighted our Scorpio-Taurus thing. So just think back to the major drama that happened for you April, May, and then October, November of 2022. It likely had to do with shared resources, with the Tauruses and Scorpios in your life, with money and sustainability in your career. And like, are, you know, are you bringing the bread in? Are you, you know, using other people's resources? Do you have addictions? Those I talked about it in the first episode of World of Rex. So take a listen to that if you need a refresh. This year, things do start to change because Aries and Libra come in and they're like, hey, it's our turn. We're now part of the eclipse cycle. And so it's not just Taurus and Scorpio themes. Now there's going to be two other houses in your chart that get activated, Aries and Libra. What are Aries and Libra archetypally? Archetypally, they are about the relationship to the self versus the relationship to the other, to the other relationships in your life. So there's going to be a massive emphasis on relationships. Really, really big. How we compromise in relationships versus how we go for what we want. And again, Jupiter and Aries is going to make this just 10 times bigger. So like I said, April is going to be really, really dynamic. There is a solar eclipse in Aries on the 20th of April. And that's going to, it's going to really, that new moon is going to say, hey, do you want to break free from the, the constraints that you've been setting on yourself? Do you want to break free and like really go for it and take the rocket ship? So that's a big, and that's going to, people are going to be having awakenings right around that April 20th time. They're going to be really seeing making big changes, rocket shipping. Just be careful. 54th hexagram. <laughs> don't don't kill the first wife if you're the concubine to try to become the first wife, right? Do it with integrity. Okay. And then the lunar eclipse happens in Scorpio on the 5th of May. So following shortly thereafter, it's the full moon on the 5th of May. And that's going to pull us deep back down into the Scorpio themes, which is deep, diving deep into the emotional space, diving deep into how our resources are shared with other people, diving deep into the things that go bump in the night, like our deep psyche, addictions, things that we don't really want to face, the sexual, the taboo. Roe v. Wade was overturned during the last Scorpio 
lunar eclipse. So I imagine that there will be some more Roe v. Wade-like things happening during this time, as well as anything to do in the news with, I'm talking like genitalia, genitalia sexuality, gender expression, so transgender rights, etc. cetera. Uh, the Scorpio lunar eclipses will likely highlight those themes for sure. And then we have the second set of eclipses happening in October and November. Actually, both in October. Wow, both in October, right. Uh, the first is a solar eclipse, a new moon in Libra on the 14th of October. So very big, very big thing for defining relationships and really like facing the music in our relationships. But since it's a new moon in a sign that it generally likes to be in, I think this is mostly positive, mostly positive relationships being, uh, the seeds being sowed for them now. I would really highly recommend that you pay very close attention to who is coming into your life right now, whether it's romantic or not, but it is collaborative and it is intimate and it is about maybe long term like, well, Libra's like, Libra is a cardinal sign. So it's not so fo focused on the long term, albeit it is karmic. So it, it's a it's an eclipse. So it's karmic. The people that come into your life are karmically tied to you. And it's about inciting a new version of relating, a new version of compromising, a new version of coming together with somebody. So it is a sort of catalytic event where you could meet people suddenly and have like profoundly radically new relationships, which is exciting to me as a, I am a Libra moon. So I'm very excited by that. And then the lunar eclipse in Taurus happens shortly thereafter at the end of October. I thought it was early November, but it's the 28th of October. And this full moon lunar eclipse in Taurus harkens back to November of 2022. So think back to November, what was going on for you in the early part of November 2022. This full moon lunar eclipse happens and opens our eyes to the true nature of others and ourselves. So there's a lot about facing the music around how you interact with the physical plane, your resources, your money versus other people's resources, their money, as well as self-esteem versus other people's self-esteem. So there's going to be some illuminations there. Again, if you know your birth chart, you know which houses these eclipses fall in, and they are basically the most powerful predictive tools of astrology. So when I look at a client's chart, I look almost immediately to see where's the, where are the eclipses happening for this person? Because that's going to dictate an immense amount of their experience for the year. Like it's going to be the theme, the drama, the big thing that they are working through. That's how powerful the nodes are. If you don't know, get a reading with me and I can like literally blow your mind because <laughs> they're such, such powerful predictive tools. They really, really do such an amazing job. That's, you know, a lot of it's steeped in Vedic astrology, in Indian astrology. And I have just so much respect for that practice. It's very powerful. Okay. Some final little moments that are more light is we're going to talk about Venus and then Mercury. Venus is going to retrograde in Leo from the 22nd of July to the 3rd of September. So this is going to bring up drama from the past, from past relationships. Okay, Leo, drama, Venus, past relationships, retrograde. And it's going to make us, the reason that the drama will come up from past relationships, it's going to ask us to reassess the future of our current partnerships or reassess like how we are relating in the moment. So if if ghosts come back from the dead a little bit from the 22nd of July to the 3rd of September, especially if you know where your Leo house is, it's to strengthen and to give you medicine to be a better lover. And I don't just mean lover in a sexual way. I mean in a friendship way, in a parental way, a, just loving. Like how do you love? Leo is about loving people and it's the fire that never goes out. Leo is like a hardcore, like slow burn, just like 
I love you and I'm here for it and it's really deep and it's super cuddly because I'm a big old sleepy cute baby lion but it's also fierce and there's some drama associated with the fierceness of the Leo and so you have to just face the music this is another moment July 22nd to the 3rd of September to face the music in your previous relationships and how to fix them and make the fire glow really bright and how to open your heart this is a lot about opening your heart Leo rules the heart so this is about facing old heart wounds to open up further in the heart space for each and every one of us. It The transit overall is asking us to move towards who and what we love most while honoring our own needs in the process. So there's still, you're not giving it all up to another person to for the long-term love. You're saying, I want this long-term love and I'm also going to show up fully as myself with all my boundaries. And those boundaries may change, especially with the eclipses in Libra, changing the relationship dynamics. But you still are communicating, okay, this is who I am constantly becoming. And I can have this deep kind of love. So it's really beautiful. It's very romantic. I don't, re I don't recommend that people get married during a Venus retrograde. I do not recommend that. So uh, if anyone's listened to this before, they're planning their wedding from the 22nd of July to the 3rd of September. Don't do it. Just don't do it. You don't need to do it. Or if, you know, if you're going to do it, sign the papers earlier or get married earlier and have your second ceremony during the Venus retrograde. My little two cents there. Venus has her star point, which means that it, it's when she meets up with the sun. She does this every year. It's really powerful. A lot of cultures around the world are super into this moment. And it occurs this year in Leo on the 13th of August. So the 13th is a wonderful day to express your romantic desire to another person, to express your financial desire to build wealth. It is not a time for holding back in Leo. It's about just going for it and like going big and going home when you're speaking from the heart. This could also be in romantic endeavors, in creative or performance endeavors, but just really letting your heart shine on the 13th of August. Just letting it shine is, is oh, I love Venus star point. Really powerful day to do planetary magic. She is retrograde, so it's a little weird, but um, I would still do planetary magic on that day. Uh, okay. And then finally, we have three Mercury retrogrades that take place completely in the Earth signs, Ooh! which suggests themes of revision in material and practical matters. So when you have Mercury retrograde only in the air signs, which isn't doesn't happen every year, but it's happening this year, it's a, it literally is saying, okay... You want to be the first wife? You want to be Jupiter and Aries? You want to go hard and like be the best version of yourself? Great. Mercury is going to go retrograde three times in the very practical earth signs to say, and what is the routine? What is the dedication? What is the vessel with which you are approaching your big wide-eyed dreams? You know, so that this is good. I mean, it's really great. I love it with Saturn and Pisces. I actually love these Mercury retrogrades with Saturn and Pisces because it is about making the dream reality. It just will involve during these retrograde periods reality checks. It's going to there's going to be some major reality checks for people. And they are ultimately blessings because they are t trying to make the dream a reality. Those dates are December 29th to January December 29th of 2022. So uh, the podcast before this, I talked about that Mercury retrograde. And then January 18th, 2023 is in Capricorn. Okay. So that's the 29th of 2022, 
December all the way to January 18th of 2023, and that's in Capricorn. So there's going to be a lot of stuff, and it's going to wake up the Venus retrograde that happened in Capricorn in early 2022. So think back to whatever relationship dynamics were coming up for you in January and February of this of 2022 think back to then because this last this first retrograde of the year is bringing back themes around whatever came up at the top of last year so just you're being asked to clean it on up clean it on up make it more practical be more accountable and be more concrete and explicit in your communications the next mercury retrograde happens in taurus from the 21st of april to may 14th so that's kind of amazing. It comes very close to Uranus in the North Node. It's going to be really dynamic. Um, and it also happens during eclipse season. So it's going to underscore like potent and potentially disruptive things. I would say that if you want, if you want to think about the most surprising and the most vol- volatile time of the year, it's April 20th to May 15th. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it was last year, too, actually. Last year was, well, I don't know. This, this October, November of 2022 was a doozy for me. Too, but anyway, April 20th to May 15th is really like the most, it's going to be like expect the unexpected surprises out of every corner and uh, definitely disruptive would be a word that I would use. But again, disruptive pressure testing to make sure that the stakes are really in the ground. Taurus is like, is this real? Does it work? The final Mercury retrograde happens in Virgo from August 23rd to September 15th. So this is going to remind us a little bit of some of the Mars retrograde and Gemini stuff that happened in late 2022. So there's just some cleanup right around August 23rd. Just around a lot of the mutable signs are going to feel this because it's in Virgo. So Pisces, Geminis, Virgos, Sagittariuses are going to really feel um, potentially some confusion, potentially some revisiting of things that happened at the end of the year that you thought maybe were done with, the end of the year of 2022 that you thought were done with. It's going to be some time where people are changing their minds. People are saying, okay, yeah, I know this is what I want to do, but I'm going to go about it a different way. And Virgo really wants people to get really organized and create a system and just make that system like king, make it make it the rule. But yeah, changing minds, a little bit of ADHD energy coming in at the end of the year with that retrograde. So that's it. Those are those are the big highlights. There's some other stuff. Mars is doing his thing. He's going to be going direct, like I said, January 12th. Overall, Neptune and Uranus will be going retrograde. They always do that, but they're not changing signs yet, so we don't need to worry about them too much. And um, I guess Saturn's going to meet up next year in 2024 with Neptune, and that'll be a whole <laughs> that'll be a whole other conversation. But I hope you enjoyed this 2023 year ahead. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me in the link tree in the show notes. I am still doing your ahead readings. You can do it. You can do a reading anytime. In fact, anytime before March is like the best because I can really help get folks set up for the rocket ship that is eclipse season in April. But overall, like this is a great time to get a reading. I really highly recommend it. I'm available. You can just click on the uh, link in the show notes. And yeah, good luck this year. I would say that the big thing is to follow your dreams and realize that your dreams can become realities in 2023. And also you have to have integrity when pursuing those dreams that are becoming reality. So cool. I love it. I love each and every one of you. Thank you for listening to The World of Rex. Thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing. Like share this podcast with your friends if you love it. It helps me. It helps support the channel, which helps me keep making the episodes because it's a lot of time and labor and it's awesome and also 
I got to be, you know, supported in that way. So leaving a review really, really helps the podcast, helps the algorithms, and sharing this podcast super helps. Also, if you know anyone who needs a reading, I am doing gift certificates for readings, so that's another way to support me and support the channel. I love you guys. You guys rule, and 2033 is going to be really exciting. So you got it. I'm here to help support folks who need it, and um, have fun. Thanks for listening to The World of Rex, and you'll hear from me next week. Bye.